Hi, this is Brad Greenquist. Uh, I played Victor Pascal in the original Pet Cemetery, and you are listening to Without Your Head. Welcome to the station of decapitation without your head. I'm Nasty Neal here on a special live Saturday night edition, and I'm joined by the fine folks from South Texas Underground Film Festival. We have Maria, uh, Mariella Nobody, I believe her name is, uh, Rob Perez, Chris Ambrose, and Amika Debonetto. Very cool to have all of you here. Nice being here. Good to have you on the show. Ooh. So the eighth, so the eighth year coming up, 2020, the South Texas Underground Film Festival. So it started eight years ago. Uh, how did all, how did it all come about? Uh, I think the best person to answer that one would be, uh, Mariela. Uh, it was, uh, uh, go ahead, Mariela. Uh, it started off, uh, as we were an organization and, did, uh, we started having some challenges. Uh, we did uh, horror film challenges, and then we had something called Sisterhood uh, of Film and Music, which was a celebration of women-led films and uh, like uh, women filmmakers um, and uh, women-led ones, like punk bands. And, uh, and that started because by another... Uh, organization that there weren't any female filmmakers. And so through this organization wrong, we, we did that one. And, and um, I guess a couple of months later, we did uh, Corpus Christi's first LGBT, I guess, 
film festival. And then because of all the work um, that went into each uh, screening and film festival, decided to make the Celtic photograph. Um, that's how we came to be. Mm-hmm. So was it, uh, when it started, was it mostly uh, local filmmakers? Well, um, we, it was local filmmakers, but we also met uh, Brian Lenano, um, who's been with us since the very beginning, like, showing his stuff since our beginning. Uh, um, who else, Rob? Uh, well, the thing, the thing about our, our even though we, we knew uh, at the early, you know, that early first year, of challenges and presentations and, and stuff like that that we were doing here in Corpus, we, we kind of knew that it would always be heavily, you know, filled with local, but that's that's the beauty of what, what Mariela uh, did. She actually was reaching out in the, you know, to the different filmmakers across the internet, across, you know, the uh, pretty much the globe, you know, and, and would bring us these amazing films that they wanted to share. So we were able to bring in that outside uh, uh, element, um, kind of, uh, you know, uh, to hope, hope to inspire our local community to start, you know, taking a look abroad instead of just looking at the local landscape, but like, Hey, look at look at these examples of what all these other guys are doing in the in the New York area and Boston and uh, overseas in England and stuff like that. Um, and it just you know word of mouth. It just you know we would throw a little. Hey, we're doing a you know um, whatever the challenge was at the moment. If it was you know LGBT, then we had a, a, a influx of, of various films. We didn't have any uh, submission fees of any kind uh, as a as a barrier, so you know we would definitely get all kinds of uh, interesting uh, uh, films, you know, uh, from zero budget, you know, we're gonna film any way that we can, to some stuff that actually had you know some money backing it, uh, that had some distribution and stuff. So it, it was like a really broad, you know, range of of films of all different kind of genres and stuff that the, the work that we would put into each of these presentations, which I think it was almost what every, every other, every other couple of months, you know, every two to three months, we were actually doing one of these presentations that um, my wife just said, you know what, let's combine all of this and, you know, and, and, and launch out, you know, the, the festival. And, 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 and so, um, you know, like she was saying before, you know, that's how we got introduced to Brian Lonano, uh, award-winning uh, 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 for uh, filmmaker. Uh, we had uh, uh, DJ Devereaux, which is uh, uh, this this awesome dude. If, if if anybody, I mean, he he's into photography, video production. I mean, uh, I think right now his current uh, thing that he's trying to do is like stand-up comedy. But in in the, in the UK, I mean, he's always pushing the bounds. On, on his Facebook page, uh, with, you know, with all kinds of stuff, um, uh, because of our roots, I guess, our very first challenge was a horror film challenge. We kind of always felt that we needed to make sure that that was a, a, a good staple of the festival. And we, we were all, we were all horror filmmakers, experimental filmmakers, uh, you know, uh, we like the strange, bizarre, 
type of, like, that's what we were creating, you know, and we wanted something that represented what, what we like to do and uh, get perspectives from other places. So, so on, on, on that note, uh, the film festival itself, we, we try to give one whole day to that, you know, that bizarre, uh, you know, B movie, whatever it is, you know, and, and, uh, it's an, it's something that Mariela had always wanted to name the Cine de Curios. Actually, she wanted to call the whole festival that, uh, but we're lucky, you know, we we have one whole day that we, that we use that moniker and that's basically what you'll see on that uh, particular day. It's usually a Friday now in the past. It used to be a, a Thursday night, but, uh, we, we do that on Friday. Uh, we, you know, our midnight screenings, you know, will be in that vein. Um, and even though, you know, we have like Texas blocks of films, you'll see, you know, the horror imprint kind of scattered, you know, throughout the film festival and other of the categories that we have. So, you know, the, that's, that's the beauty of the festival. I mean, you'll you'll catch something uh, pretty unique on on any given day of the festival, for sure. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how many days does the festival run? Yeah, we used to do it, uh, before we started, it was seven. But mm-hmm. um, I guess Corpus is, is a working town. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we had to scale it down to four, uh, because usually... You know, people are off from Thursday to Sunday, um, mm-hmm. and that's we. You know, we want people to to go in and watch these films that we bring into corporate. Yeah, and not usually. How how many? Uh, like, how long does it run each day? Usually, how many like features do you show? How many uh, shorts do you show? Uh, over, I guess. Uh, in, in when we <laughs> when we first started, uh, we we had never done that type of presentation over that right. amount of time. I mean, so we screened like almost 150. Yeah, it was over 200. Oh, yeah, wow. Well, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a, a, an outrageous number uh, of features and shorts and stuff. And the first two years were kind of like that. Uh, when we started getting uh, a, a different gauge, then we started kind of, you know, you know, bring it down a bit. I think uh, last year we screened, uh, I, I want to say the last couple of years, we screened pretty uh, pretty consistently around 100, uh, 100 films. That includes short films and feature films. Usually, uh, uh, I think it's like anywhere between 8, eight and 12 features. We show a lot of shorts, though. I mean, uh, mm-hmm. a lot of short blocks. And... Um, this, you know, now that we're screening at the Alamo Draft House, it definitely poses some interesting, you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that they're, it, it's, it's, well, it is, it's a little bit different because they work on a different scale, obviously. Um, we used to screen at, uh, uh, at the college. And so, you know, we could pretty much start at whatever time we wanted and, I mean, we would end it, you know, pretty reasonably about 11, 1130. Uh, I, I don't know. I guess there, were, there weren't too many uh, parameters, I guess, when we would do it that way. Uh, what, we're, what we're doing now with Draft House, and we're, they're, they're, they are so awesome to work with. Uh, getting multiple theaters, I guess that's, that's the thing. Um, you, you know, we, we're, we're trying to grow the, the festival with the city. And with our filmmakers that we want to be able to broaden, 
I guess what we were able to do in the past, usually it would be like one screening, you know, the filmmaker would get one screening and, uh, you know, you know, you're, you know, but we're going to try to see what we can do of multiple screenings for some of these films, because sometimes you miss, you know, you miss that gem and you hear people talking about it and you're like, mm -hmm. oh man, you know, how can, mm -hmm. I, how can I get a chance to see that again? Or, or a film sells out. The draft houses right. uh, that we have around here, I, they're not, I don't know. I don't know how big they are in other cities, but uh, 150 plus seating, I guess that's what their biggest uh, venue is. And I don't know, uh, you know, we pushed the envelope pretty hard last year and uh, we, we pretty much sold out almost every screening that we had. And I know a lot of people were missing some of the screenings because they couldn't get in. So oh, it's wow. definitely, yeah, that's, that's something we definitely want to explore. I mean, the more films we get, the more, uh, you know, if, if everybody sends us their craziest films and stuff like that, they want to—they uh, want a chance to screen. I mean, hey, give us an opportunity. We'll we'll get more screenings and more screens, and we'll, you know we'll show more stuff. I mean, that's 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 what it's all about. Yeah, that we found ourselves, you know, after we screened at your film festival that first time, we still had that influx of people still wanting to see it. We had to do another screening on our own just to kind of match up with. Uh, what they what they did. Yeah, this, this is the crew Sam Brees uh, that's speaking uh, with us right now. He uh, actually has participated in in some of our past uh, challenges and and uh, even his uh, his latest feature. We we had the opportunity to screen that last year. Uh, he was uh, so uh, helpful in 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 helping present the uh, film festival at Alamo Draft House. And, um, you know, helped us a lot, you know, with, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and def definitely a film liaison being, being there and having screened and helping that process and, and doing all that. So, um, it's, 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 it's really cool, you know, uh, when everybody definitely gets together. That's, that's one of the highlights of, of, of the festival for sure. It's, it's getting together and, 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 and sharing war stories. And learning. Oh, yeah. Learning. I learned a lot. Yeah, most definitely. Uh, I mean, there's so much different because everybody that we're, that we're screening has, I guess, a different range of where they've been, either through distribution, uh, uh, various film festivals that they've screened at, or just their production and their budgets that they're working with. You definitely come away with various knowledge that you might have not had before or things that you can share to other, with other filmmakers, that's for sure. Also, mm -hmm. my experience, too, because I started with them, they gave us an opportunity to screen one of our short films back in 2011. And uh, there, there isn't too many opportunities around here, even for that large, well, that, that size of a, uh, of a, a venue or your audience around here. And it, it was nice to be able to get that feedback from an audience, seeing if this is actually... The, if the horror is quote unquote working for us or not or anything so even from going back then and then doing other projects with them we've definitely learned a lot back then yeah yeah I know myself just uh, going to the festivals the last couple of years uh, it's a great experience because you get to meet all the filmmakers you just get to meet uh, other uh, you know film fans and a lot of people uh, exactly saying they get together some have uh, different experiences than other people and then uh, people start to work together. Even myself, uh, from this last festival, that I made uh, my first short, and uh, I had a great time. So, it's, uh, and everyone's very, um, 
is always very open with and uh, and helpful with everyone. I know I've never seen anybody at a festival that you know has a problem with somebody else or they're like uh, jealous of someone else's success or anything. Everyone is really encouraging. Yeah, is, is, is Mike, Micah, are you still there? I don't know if Micah's still on the line. But, uh, no, we may have lost Micah. Okay. Uh, I was going to say that um, uh, the beauty of, of the festival, even from the, the get-go, you know, we when we first did, I guess, that first, you know, hey, hey, this is stuff, the very first one, we didn't know what to expect. And, uh, you know, the filmmakers, the filmmakers showed up and... You know, it was, uh, it was downtown Corpus. And so that made it also inviting. We had, uh, filmmakers come in all the way from Finland, Australia, uh, various parts of the United States. Had, uh, uh, Donna McCray. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Donna McCray. Uh, is a, a, no. a horror filmmaker. Um, she's the one that came in from Australia and we've been friends with her ever since. Oh, wow. Uh, and yeah, uh, he's a, a Christian Dreadful. Yeah, he did Christian Dreadful. He actually introduced us to a lot of, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of Finnish uh, uh, horror film. I mean, these guys are like, <laughs> we. I guess we kind of shocked a lot of people when we brought some of those films. Uh, we presented them as uh, one of our midnight showcases, and literally people's mouths were open like, what the heck are you guys? I mean, they really like uh, have some amazing work as far as uh, the, I guess the makeup. They push in the envelope with with everything that they were doing. And you know when you're trying to show, you know when when you use the word midnight screening, that's what we're looking for. You know we want something that's going to push that that envelope. That uh, uh, you definitely want. You know the, the people that came in talking about it. You know, year after year, like, oh my gosh, you should have went to that screening, or you should have seen this, and um, it's something to look forward to. So, these uh, are the uh, filmmakers that are not worried about getting censored by Amazon. <laughs> Which is, right. Yeah, that's a whole other, that whole other thing going on right there. Uh-huh. But uh, definitely, you know, we we like to, uh, and, and you know, it's uh, oh, another thing is uh, uh, we present. Uh, I guess during the the other part of the festival, we like to do something. Uh, in the past, we called it horror uh, from around the world, and we try to bring that different perspective, uh, uh, showing what Spain uh, considers horror or their style of horror, and we mix it up with you know different countries and stuff, so that uh, it's something different. You know, if, if you're used to whatever the you know the American cinema seems to be presenting, and that is your only scope. We hope that our festival is a, is a educational experience for you know some that are are new to film festivals and and stuff like that as well. Mm-hmm. So, uh, how much has that grown over the years? Over the eight years, getting uh, people uh, getting submissions from other countries. Well, I think we we, we started using Film Freeway uh, that first year. We had about almost right under 3,000 submissions. Oh, wow. Um, and so the submissions, it's grown. But I have noticed this year, because we got rid of the pre-submission uh, time frame, which was like our early, early third, um, the submissions have dropped. Well, it, it's dropped, but you know what? I think that the quality, 
You know, like like we were like we had mentioned earlier, you have like these zero to no budget to you know what I mean. So I think it's kind of narrowing the filter, so to speak. We're not getting as many. Uh, I don't know how to say this uh, in the film in the film festival uh, groups and stuff like this. There's always this running thing about the Iranian filmmakers because they, you know, they have trouble paying for submission fees and they're always looking for, yeah, but you, you know, ask, you know yeah, 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 most definitely. We, 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 you know, they'll, they'll ask and they'll request waivers and stuff. Uh, but there's this thing, you know, and a lot of the times if you have these freebie periods, you'll see an influx of, of various kind of films. And sometimes, you know, they're either very old, you know what I mean? They're still trying to circulate maybe some older work or whatever. But I think that the quality of films has definitely risen as far as the different type of uh, work that we're that we're receiving actually from filmmakers abroad. I think, um, and I and I think that's due to you know word of mouth, the internet, uh, the photos, uh, and on being on Film Freeway. I think Film Freeway has actually okay. helped out immensely. Uh, I think too, yeah, from my perspective, yeah, from the filmmaking perspective too, is that it's like you've done like when we did. For example, many years ago, you, you and you want to go back again. You want to you want to get that kind of rousing audience experience, and you want to put on a show. You want to make it entertaining for everybody, including ourselves, the, the filmmakers, the, the 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 festival programmers, and stuff like that. So I think it, it kind of puts you in that mode and that mindset to, to to make it as great as you can, to make it an event, to make it a worthwhile whatever you're paying to put into it but also to support them as well mm -hmm. so how, how do you narrow it down to uh whatever many you're going to show 150 whatever um when you have like thousands of entries how long does that take to to uh to go through and filter down yeah so then we start i mean basically one film festival will end and the next one begins and uh, you know, people are like, Hey, so you guys get to go, you know, celebrate and whatever. And it's like, well, no, it's the next, the next festival is probably either about to launch or has in some cases launched during the festival that is, was currently, uh, operating. And it's, it's a thing where, you know, the, the screening process begins, you know, uh, uh, you start watching some shorts. You the, the, that's the beauty of, of behind the scenes of, of when you got like a, a film freeway. You can either put them in set categories, and then they all kind of like you start to see them pop up in, in that uh, in that way where you can just divvy out to certain uh, grouping of judges, and then they can watch that batch, and then another person watches them, and then it's you know there's definitely times during this whole process where you get this massive uh, influx, and it's usually around those deadline periods, you'll get all these uh, submissions right away. Um, on our on our end, I want to say that literally till the last deadline, and even sometimes there are these, you know, these like maybe there could even be 10 to 20 films that we're still contemplating, even at the very end when it's already time to make those last choices yeah, but it's really it is it, it, it's so difficult by that time i think we we feel that and this is something that i think we've expressed to the filmmakers is that when we get to that point it's almost like 
these truly are the, the winning films of the entire film festival, um, you know, going through that, 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 uh, that, you know, gauntlet of films. I mean, it is, it is so amazing to, uh, to see these works that it's heartbreaking, you know, when we, when we have to make a, a, a cut, uh, uh, that, that somebody doesn't, you know, doesn't, doesn't screen. Uh, sometimes, you know, it's all about time, you know, how much time do we have? And, and that's, that's what we're trying to work with, with draft house. You know, we want to make sure that, yeah, we have enough time slots and that the experience with the filmmaker that, you know, a lot of people think we'll just get more time. Well, if we start cutting in and bringing more films, then we run into the problem we had at this last festival where the response, people wanted to hear these filmmakers talk for a longer amount of time. The Q&A, mm-hmm. I think Oscar, too, you know, they curate so well that you don't go in there and you're, you're going to watch anything below par or subpar or anything like that. Every every screening has a good theme to it, has great filmmakers that, that actually show up and participate in the Q&A and stuff like that, too. So I think that also probably weighs a lot factor who they're going to pick. They want that support from the filming community. And that, that, I think that just adds to the presentation as well. And for me, when I got to help them, yeah, as they lay on and talk to the filmmakers and get into their heads a little bit about what the process was, what, what it was like in these films, and getting that back to the audience, too, I think that brings another level to everything. Mm-hmm. Now, I, you know, you said about a lot of shorts. I've noticed over the last few years the shorts have really uh, grown in popularity. Uh, why do you think that is? Is it partly due to, to festivals because you can, it's just physically possible to show more, you know, shorts. They're also cheaper to make. I assume they're making features. For me, my, my perspective of what I've seen is that, uh, because I, I do a lot of the programming and I'm not, I mean, I try to, offer a, a little mix of, uh, you know, with, with what we're trying on our categories, but, you know, there, okay, just quickly on, on shorts, um, you have the, the very short film, then you have those ones that kind of fall, like they're a little bit too long, they can almost be considered a short feature, but then there's these ones that are like anywhere between 30 minutes and 45 minutes, that's like, that's horrible for a film festival it is hard for them to program films like this because it's like do i not schedule a feature and we go with you know something like this and then we put some more shorts with it you know what i mean it's like Mm -hmm. a puzzle and you're trying to to craft this uh this uh uh journey uh, so to speak for your for your audience uh, you know, to participate in the thing, and it and it, and it and it gets a little bit difficult to juggle all that. I think. That's not to say that we won't. Oh no! Yeah. A good, a good story is a good story, whether it's ten minutes or thirty minutes. Yeah, we. You know, we got you got to get it in there. The I mean, we've screened films uh, over the over the years. We've screened uh, features that were as long as three hours. We've screened shorts that were as, as short as thirty seconds. Um, if, if the film knocks the socks off of everybody, I mean, we're going to find some way to put the film in there. Uh, and that, and that's been, you know, that's the thing about, about our film festival where people will take a step back and I have filmmakers coming up to us, you know, commenting about the, the block that they were in, like, Oh my goodness, I can't 
that believe the, you know, the type of films that they were uh, in the category with. And honestly, that is the best kind of feedback that we can get, you know, as programmers and presenters of, of something like this is when the filmmaker basically is just pleased all the way around as far as, you know, the way they were treated, the, the, the grouping of films and, and, you know, I mean, we, we, we try to treat them like rock stars. I mean, they, they put so much hard work into it that, you know, they, they need, they deserve that spotlight. And that's, you know, what, what stuff tries to do with all the films, uh, that, that we, uh, that we are, that we're dealing with here. It's, uh, very personal films, you know, for, you know, for the filmmakers. And we, you know, we try to take a, a lot of thought into that. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned, uh, Brian Lanana, who I actually had on the show last year. Uh, I really like his, uh, his work. When you have someone like that who comes back, you know, multiple times, uh, does that happen a lot? You know, you get to see people's, you know, work progress and, uh, and multiple, you know, uh, uh, projects that they work on and then submit you every year or two. Yeah, see, I mean, these guys, like, like Brian, he's here with us from the beginning. And he's he, 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 Are you able to hear me? You're a little low. Oh, am I? Okay. Uh, like, Brian, he's been with us from the very beginning, and we've seen his, like, like when he was a student filmmaker to where he is now, and we have seen him, you know, and, and it's amazing, and it's an honor to show his work, because he trusts us to present his film, you know, in the way that it should be done, you know, whatever we do screen him. And um, we have, like, a group, like, once you're an alum, we have a, like, a Facebook group called Familia de Stuff, and pretty much we become family, you know, we, you know, keep in communication with each other. Yeah, once, once they screen, uh, it doesn't end there. Uh, it becomes, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's every, every year we, we always like to say that the, the family grows. Uh, all the filmmakers become part of our family, and uh, if there's a work that they're working on, if there's uh, 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 they're trying to raise funds, uh, whatever the case may be, we're always there trying to show as much support. When the film, you know, after two or three years, it's made its run through the festival circuit, and they want to distribute the film, if it's giving it away free online or having it on Amazon or selling DVDs, I mean, the process doesn't end there. It's not like, oh, thank you very much. Glad you came. You know, we don't want to hear from you. No, we want to hear from these filmmakers. And it is such a joy to see the progress. It's like, like uh, Donna McRae. Donna McRae was at our first film festival and, and with Johnny Ghost. And uh, when when she submitted to this, to this year's uh, or last year's film festival, we were like, oh, wow. I mean, I know how it is uh, from Australia, you know, and, and it's, uh, you know, travel and all this kind of stuff. But, you know, to, to be blessed and, and have them return, I mean, it is always such joy to to, to, to reunite with, uh, you know, and then that, you know, and if, and if filmmakers submit and they can't come, that's not a, that's not a reason not to submit because we've... Uh, but we love to see the progress of what's happening with filmmakers and where they're at, uh, and and be able to revisit, you know, some of uh, some of our, our our alum. I mean, this is this is a, a great opportunity, uh, you know, to to reconnect uh, new new filmgoers 
to to some of the the people that we worked with in the past, especially you know when it comes to uh, the horror filmmakers, some of the experimental filmmakers, and uh, you know our documentary filmmakers as well. Mm-hmm. The, um, since you mentioned all those different things, horror, documentary, experimental. Is there any any type of guideline of what kind of films you would submit to the South Texas Underground Film Festival? Um, well, like as far as documentaries, I want people to think. You know, I want I don't want something that I don't know. I want the documentaries to show another perspective. You know, mm-hmm. uh, learn a different culture. You know, whether it's controversial or not. You know, most of the time they are controversial documentaries, you know, and uh, us being in Texas and um, I guess being more conservative and stuff, we want people to think. Um, uh, but, but I think on, on, uh, on, on, uh, on, on, I guess on content and uh, stuff like that, but I think as far as genres go, I, I think when, when people submit, you know, to the South Texas Underground Film Festival, you know, if you go to the, the film freeway, there seems to be some categories there, but I don't, I don't think it's limited to that. If somebody wants to, to submit something to us, I think we're pretty much game, you know, to, to anybody that wants to submit. I mean, they can, all they can do is email us and hit us up and find out, you know, Hey, is this something that we'd be interested in? Uh, to me, I end up finding out that you actually find quite a few gems that way that they're yeah. kind of like, you know, is this, is this for me? Is this a place that I can find a home? And mm-hmm. usually uh, we're pretty open to, uh, to that type, yeah, to that kind of artist because obviously they're careful of what they want to submit and, you know, they're, they're protective of their film, but at the same time they want to make sure it gets a fair chance. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I would say that you know, to your audience. If they, if they have a film that they don't know if it's, uh, you know, a place for, you know, it at the film festival, just, just hit us up, email us on, on Facebook, email us on our, you know, our email or whatever the case may be, and just let us take a look at it. And, you know, uh, you yeah. never know, uh, you could get selected. Definitely, and that, and like you said about uh, sometimes you find a hidden gem because there are a lot of movies that I think do well at at like a, an underground festival because they don't fit into any any like real genre. So sometimes they kind of have a hard time finding you know a place. So what about the area itself? Uh, when you're in South Texas, uh, what's good to eat and what's good to see? Obviously, you're going to stay and see the movies, but I also like to get some good food when I'm when I'm in new places. Oh man! Yeah, yeah. tacos, 
brisket, barbecue. Yeah, if you, if you want authentic, you know, food. yeah, authentic Mexican <laughs> food, like like real Mexican food. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, yeah, mix, but I'm, I'm tasting it. Uh, you'll have people in San Corpus, and you can't find the type of food that we got here. Uh, we are by the sea. You figure that there would be more seafood, but you have well, I put that up to the challenge, you know. You, no, we do. We have uh, there's like, a lot of seafood. Yeah, yeah. Lot of you can see it. And there's, there's a lot of restaurants <laughs> on the yeah. rest on the water yeah. too. We well, we like there's a place called Snoopy's, and uh, I think what's what's the other place next to it? Docks. Yeah, yeah, yeah Docks and Reef. And the Reef. They're like they're like uh, right on the water. They're right on the water. Yeah, that's uh, you you'll get that uh, that salty that salty air kind of by the by the water. Watching the, the best time to go right now. Yeah, no that. kidding. Yeah, you, you're probably gonna get it. You're gonna make us hungry. We're all gonna go get some fish in a little bit. Uh, home of Waterburger, obviously, 1950. Yeah. Uh, I, I, this is uh, in, in Texas. It's one of those things, you know, uh, In and Out Burger or Waterburger or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. But Waterburger, we're number three. Yeah, we're number three. But you know what? If you if, 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 if whenever you're in Texas or there's, there's actually several other states that have Waterburger, but the the best place to get one is in Texas, and we're the we're actually the home. Uh, well, we used to, we were, this is where it was found, it's Corpus Christi. Mm-hmm. You gotta have Whataburger when you're down here. Uh, Alright. Yeah. Yeah, but there's also the beach. Like, yeah. we try really hard to have bonfire on the beach this year for one of our Um. Other, uh, yeah. There's no weather for many because it's in January. Well, yeah, and barbecue. Yeah, I think we, uh, did we mention barbecue? Yeah, and brisket, yeah. And yeah. then, um, uh, we're Corpus is known for the local female, so we're, uh, we're right on the southern tip of Padre Island. So if you go to our, the actual national tour, the beach is beautiful. The it, sand is soft, it's like flowers. And unlike unlike uh, larger cities, it's it, like and I'm I'm not kidding. Fifteen minutes and you're anywhere. you're yeah you're everywhere in fifteen minutes. So you're downtown. You know, hopefully you don't get caught driving, but definitely in 15 minutes you're already in the other side of town. Uh, you can definitely uh, explore Corpus uh, relatively easily and, and, and plan, you know, your screenings along with other places that, that you might want to try and uh, sites to see definitely uh, the nightlife in, in downtown. And, uh, you know, that, we, I think, one of the things that uh, we like to pride ourselves in are our after parties and our after after parties, and yeah, uh, yeah we like to we like oh, to party. Nice. And uh, so when it comes to like what the thing is about draft house is we're trying to find that careful balance so that way we can you know have everybody join us as much as possible at our at our destination because uh, I, I I definitely would like I like when people are all able to experience the. You know the after parties and stuff like that together and stuff like that. So definitely those are in the works for sure. Uh, there's a lot of cool things to see in Corpus and and explore. Uh, it's definitely a, a pretty cool beach town, I think. And the weather is always relatively nice, uh, even though it is in January. Uh, we had to move that up, didn't we? Because of just time. Yeah. Well, we had to move it because of Hurricane Harvey. Um, so yeah. if Harvey didn't hit. This would be probably yeah, we would be number nine right now. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, because of Harvey, it moved our our uh, 
our festival. Yeah, we did a lot of the area. And, and the festival used to be that November, December time. And I, I actually think it's better in January, uh, I personally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm from, up, I'm, I'm from Massachusetts, so I'm sure the weather will be a lot nicer in Texas in January than, than it is where, where I'm living currently. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, bring your shorts. Yeah, yeah. I'm looking forward to it because I'm going to be there, and I'm looking for. No, I'm like definitely looking forward to the festival. But I'm also looking forward to some barbecue and some uh, and some authentic Mexican food. So I'm going to have a great time. Oh man! Yeah, and it's for it's uh, tacos made with homemade tortillas. Oh, mm-hmm. tortillas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're rolling yeah, things they're, out. Yeah, they're rolling them out and stuff in front of you, and great stuff, man. Yeah, I've been to Texas before, but not this area. I, you know, I was in Dallas, Fort Worth, so I've never been to uh, the South Texas. Oh, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you'll enjoy it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I'm definitely looking forward to it. So, uh, what kind of like awards do you guys give out for uh, different filmmakers? Um, well, this past year we gave out stuff Oreo cookies. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's I love it. The, the thing is. <laughs> The, the, the thing is that the, the the awards themselves are more of, I guess, honors. They're kind right. of like, uh, like, like I had mentioned before, when, when we when we choose the films, we, we really feel that those are the winning films out of, mm-hmm. uh, you know, out of all these films that we've screened. But then we try to, you know, maybe find a, a special designation on uh, uh, honor that we can on, on some of the films, you know. And sometimes, I mean, we're talking about, Eleventh well, hour, or actually, you know, there, you know, it's it, it's the feel of what's happening and, and stuff while we're while we're looking at the the films again with our with our, with the filmmakers and the audiences and stuff and and you know, there's there's just something that we really enjoy. One and I got a very very nice medallion, so it's a nice little centerpiece for your man's old game. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 I wish we could give more, but I mean, we're self-funded. We don't have sure. Funds. Like yeah. I do overtime. I pay for you know the festival, but, like on out of out but, of pocket, and mm-hmm. and then there's the in-kind stuff um, that like we'll do a trade or, or something, and then with the submission fees. So what we what I guess what we try to do is there's there's a certain uh, uh, like. Uh, I guess Cine de Curio, you know, we'll try to honor some of those uh, uh, films that we've done. Oh, your standout. Yeah, the standout ones, you know, Best of Fest, uh, you know, the LGBT. We'll try to find some films that, you know, hit, hit some of these uh, uh, local. Yeah, uh, yeah, we try to honor, you know, maybe a local Made in Texas. Made in Texas. And, uh, or well, which is a city that we wrote. Yeah. Yeah, so that would be uh, your experimental, your sci-fi, um, your street, and your school. But, you know, and, and like I said, those we try to, you know, give them maybe another special designation to those. But but overall, when, when that list comes out, it's like, you know, uh, like we've gone, uh, you know, 14 rounds. I'm talking about old school boxing. And we've got to that 15th round, and we're ready to do the screening and stuff. And it's, you know, it's, it's, I wish we could give a belt and stuff like that, but it's like, yeah, we, I mean, I, I, <laughs> we really truly feel that every film, you know, that we've, 
finally chosen is, is definitely a winning film, and it's that everybody's a winner. They're going to get a great opportunity uh, for these uh, audience. You know, the audience yeah. gets to see an amazing uh, group in the films. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, people seeing the movies—that's more—that's uh, more important than than getting a trophy of some kind or, or something like that. You guys said that uh, earlier that you were horror uh, filmmakers. What kind of stuff uh, have you made? And do you ever show your own films at the uh, at the festival? Well, you want me to? Well, on on on. Uh, well, Chris, uh, before. Or I well go explain your 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 thing and then how you came because I think more you were a film liaison that we were trying to bring on because you had screened with us before. Right. We didn't have anything in competition at the time or, or yeah, I was just helping out. Uh, yeah, um, well I, I was a local filmmaker, I've been doing it for about twenty years and uh, there hasn't been a lot. And back when I started doing horror films because I'm just a horror fan, uh, it was you know, it wasn't exactly a lot of outlets for a filmmaker to screen, especially around here. And they kind of looked down on it. It wasn't really popular at the time. So over the years, um, you know, keeping track of what Southside Underground was doing, especially for the filmmakers and giving them the venue and giving them the voice, uh, I had a couple of my shorts screened there. I had uh, one short called Pen, and a year and a half later, I did El Kukui, based on the legend of the boogeyman around here. And uh, we did really well with those. And uh, a few years later, we screened again. And then this past year, we screened, in 2018, we screened our feature film, which is uh, More Day Tales of Horror, which did really well. And I guess we were takes for the uh, Alma Draft House because we had the screen there with our casting crew. And it turned into quite a, quite, a, quite a good, great event. I mean, it was amazing. You know, I'm very honored to be a part of all that. Um. Uh, uh, my wife, uh, go ahead, my dear, you're more, uh, you did a lot of producing and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm more, I wear the producer hat uh, most of the time. Um, we do, Rob and I do uh, dark comedy, and we tend to do dark stuff with our kids because they're, they're readily available actors. And uh, if you give us something to do with the family, but it, it, it's real, like, I guess, dark short films. Uh, and you can see them on, online. We've also done, uh, we did a feature-length documentary about a curandero, which is a Mexican witch doctor. Um, and uh, that's, that's it's real interesting. Uh, but the past, what, five years? Yeah, we I haven't done anything because I started, like, a different profession. A different profession, and I did not have a lot of time because I was working like 120 after 30 hours and you don't have time but take a shower uh, yeah before the before the festival i uh i would do a lot of freelance uh editing uh i had applicational uh, productions and stuff like that um all the self-directed uh work i would i would work with uh, my wife and you know there were those shorts that we would that we would do um, there's always that, that bug, you know, that itch, the, you know, to create most definitely. And, um, it's, it's definitely, you know, trying to plan that schedule and, and, and just go out and, and, and doing it. Um, but you know, a lot of the, a lot of the festival does, uh, uh gobble up some of that, that time. 
to do that and, you know, to... Because you're planning and organizing. You're basically, you're producing. Yeah. What a producer does for the film, you're producing, you know, it's pretty much like the same thing. You're producing and organizing just and, an event. And and the thing is that when, when we're, when we make our films, you know, we're, you know, we're going 100% plus, you know, you know, and so when we're doing the festival, it's like it's not any different than when we, we were making films. We're, we're giving it a, a hundred to a thousand percent effort, you know, thinking about that filmmaker and the experience that they're going to have, what the filmmaker's going to, you know, working behind the scenes with Dalmo Draft House. That, that, that whole thing is, uh, is, is such an amazing thing to go behind the scenes of, of, uh, of, a, of a place like Alamo Draft House and see you know, how that, that works. One thing that we were very happy to do was we were able to, to screen in uh, DCP the, the, the presentation, the, the festival itself. And uh, in the past, you know, we're, you know, <laughs> Blu-rays this and trying to make sure that this uh, thing was going to screen right or was yeah. going to sound right. We do a lot of tech checks. Check, we yeah. wanted it to be perfect. But but when you have these guys that are so well trained at Draft House at your disposal, and their yeah their job is to make you look like a million bucks, so that you can make your filmmakers look like a million bucks. That I think that was the biggest thing that we kept hearing from the filmmakers. My film had never I've never seen my film. I've, seen it. <laughs> I've never seen it presented that way. We started this past year uh, because of Alamo, and we were 100%. Yeah, most theaters want that anyway, though. Yeah, and, uh, uh, you know, the fact that we're able to offer, you know, that that presentation, uh, definitely, um, you know, having the filmmakers happy and being able to present that, and, and you know, we're, tr- we're trying to show it in, 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 in as much of the true uh, vision of what the filmmaker had in mind uh, you know, and, and we're trying to, to preserve that. You know, everybody wants to see it in the way that, that, that it was made and sound the way it was made. And so that's, that's our goal. You know, we really want to really want to do that. Mm-hmm. Well, it's coming up in uh, the next one is coming up in January 2020. And I'm looking forward to it. I've uh, got some other guests coming up here. So it's cool to talk to you guys. And we're going to talk to you more throughout the year as we lead up to Texas. South Texas Underground Film Festival 2020, and uh, I'm really looking forward to it. We're looking forward to you coming down. Thanks. Thanks, Neil. Thanks for having us. Yeah, definitely. And anyone out there, if uh, uh, when you find out if your movie is playing in South Texas, if you want to come on the show or do an interview in Texas or both, uh, just message me and we'll hook it up. Thank you. Thanks, guys. You have a good night. Thanks. You too.
All right. I'm going to let you know, we, we have like a silicone heart that we're going to pass around as uh-huh. a means to say who, who has the right to talk. Like All right. I like it. I like it. I have no way of knowing who has it. In that case, I know that's the fun part. I guess I'm all right. But we'll let you know. Right. Actually, you, know you, you say who you want to talk to and we'll pass the heart to that person. All right, sounds good. All right, well, sometimes I like to ask open questions, and everyone gets a chance. Oh, yeah, everyone will get a chance. You know us pretty well that, you know, everyone's going to get a chance. We're going to try last time, but no problem. That's not going to happen. All right, here we go. Here we go. I can't even promise I'll behave as well as the first time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, and we're back here once again at the Station of Decapitation. Without your head, this is Nasty Neil. And this is, I guess, the second annual year two, because it was just last year we did this. Makeup artist round two. This time, we, last year, it went so well, we decided to have like <laughs> double the people. So we have yes. uh, Craig Lindbergh. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hello. Jeremy Sellenfriend. How you doing? Good. Anthony Pepe. Hello. Hello. Keith Palmer. Hello. Hey, how you doing? Good. Vincent, I should have asked how to say the last name. Uh, I'll, I'll take the trouble. Sneaky, how are you? Sneaky, I like it. Very good. They're sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Vincent, sketchy, cheeky. And uh, we'll also, Tom, <laughs> Tom Denier, Jr. Close enough. Close enough. <laughs> Denier. Denier. Tom Denier, who's the most an asshole, but Right. And, and Michael Harvey. Yep. And we have an special guest. We have an extra drop by Stragler. Eli Livingston, amazing sculptor. Yep. And that's when I fell off the rails and really, oh, I'm here. <laughs> and this is being broadcast from Empire of Trent Studio. Promotional whore. And I'm having the heart and the hammer. When people don't speak in their turn. <laughs> so, well, Eli's a new guy here, and he said he was a sculptor. Now, is right. yeah. Um. Eli, so, so when you and all you guys are getting into, you know, you want to do makeup or sculpting or whatever. Was sculpting your your first like art form that that is what you wanted to do? How did how did it come about that you wanted to do sculpting? Well, believe it or not, I actually wanted to get into makeup effects first, but then I realized, hey, you know, foam latex and rubber doesn't shape itself, so I had to get into sculpting. Uh, then came the next uh, hurdle, which was mold making, and uh, well, after a few years in the industry, I realized I wasn't as great of a sculptor as I thought I was, so I, uh, you know, so after swallowing that big pill, I uh, got a job in the toy industry, working with Art Asylum, and uh, uh, so, like, you know, I focused on my weaknesses, and uh, now I realize that I really enjoy being in the business. Mm-hmm. Uh, hope that answers your questions. Uh, yes. I, I hope that fulfilling us. Yeah, definitely. We'll get to everybody else in a second. While we're on that subject, what kind of stuff have you worked on? Is, uh, do you do, like, uh, monsters, or what kind of sculpting do you do? What kind uh, of genre? Definitely, mo- well, uh, Mostly comic book ca- our characters, uh, licensed ones and beginning. Uh, I, I did a lot of uh, both heroes and villains for Marvel, uh, for Diamond Select Toys. Uh, more villains, though. Uh, then I, because they're 
scary and they're easier to sculpt. Uh, I've done some fine artwork, like for uh, Get Your Gear, and uh, wow. as far I have done some of my own concepts as far as monsters go, but most of them have been licensed, <laughs> like the Alien, Alien, Aliens, the Predator, and uh, what have you. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, usually I've just here to whenever Tom. I use most as far as make effects go, I usually work for Tom. Where can we see your work? Uh, you can see my work on uh, Instagram, Doombuster7. Uh, there you go, Doombuster7. Doombuster7 is the official plug. Free Nice. Definitely not Mothbuster. No Mothbuster. Well, since you mentioned Tom, let's get let's uh, get an introduction from Tom. Give us an idea of uh, uh, basically what you do. What I do? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Neil. Yeah, sorry, Neil. I just did That's that. All right. Yeah. Anyway, you know, uh, yeah, you know, everybody here at this table, we all have the same friggin' background, man. We all watched all the sci-fi, all the movies, all the horror. We got victimized. <laughs> <laughs> we all have the best freaking action figures. Who has the myth in the box? But that's where it all stems from. It stems from a passion of just making our own toys. I making all our childhood dreams. Go ahead, John. I played with my action figures. I didn't leave them in the box. I moved mine up. My brother. That too. <laughs> that's where it all started from. You know, reading a lot of uh, graphic novels. Uh, you know, some guys are into you know, movies, super movies. Yeah, yeah so, along that. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. But I think it, it is we, you know, we all wanted to change our appearance. You know, exactly, exactly. <laughs> change our appearance. Exactly. It's a world full of nobody's trying to be somebody, mm-hmm. and our way to do it. Uh, you know, we couldn't be rock stars and movie gods. So the one passion we did have. Was this thing called make them fat? So who said it? The Dick Smith, the Frankenstein thing? Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. You create it, start to finish, and the part of you comes to life. So we took this passion, and it's a passion that very, very rarely gets fulfilled. Mm-hmm. But the group of guys. Ah, Empire State Effect. Anybody that can, anybody that can consider themselves a professional doing this stuff, should count their blessings because not everybody fulfills their dreams and desires. Everybody in this room has a name for themselves. The question was, what is your name, Tom? That's where we started. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it all was about a name? <laughs> oh, my name is Tom. Oh, it was about a name. Who gives a shit? Anyway, uh, I hope I answered some questions, Neil. Yeah, hey, definitely. Yeah. Not necessarily so, Neil's question, but a question. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay. on the street, and we used to band camp, so we kind of all made our friends up like monsters and put scars on them. That's true. Mm-hmm. For me. Yeah. Yeah. I have very loving memories of banking. <laughs> 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 the thing of it, I realized how many of you ran your roads. Sorry. Did he just learn how to open a beer? The first time. 
Well, let's get okay. them. We'll get the uh, the hearts to. Uh, well, let's, we'll start with Michael for this. So Michael Harvey, because uh, you mentioned, oh, you know, everyone is, um, you know, fulfilled their dream here, getting into the business. How do you? How did you even go about pursuing it? Because it, it does seem like something that's not. Uh, there's not a typical way, I don't think, to get into uh, doing makeup or special effects. Like, how, how how does one even pursue that? For me, I pursued it. At 12 years old, my my first, let's say, recollection was watching Robert England being turned into Freddy Krueger in a People magazine. That's how I got into it. And then I just explored behind the scenes of movies and television, Fangora magazine, Starlog, whatever you want to call it. And then I ended up finding any school that was in the state that offered some sort of special effects course. And that was an art institute. And it, oddly enough, there's a bunch of us at this table that did share that same experience of going to that school. We all went off on our own. Learned from Lon Chaney. My I do have the heart. Who wants to get the heart? <laughs> And for me, that's that's where I got my start back in the early 90s. And my first job was in Florida on a, a very odd television show called Sequest with Roy Scheider. That was my first real union job. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, it brought me to New York. And then this is how I met this group of surly individuals. They are unfortunately connected by some way of former fashion. Maybe certain. <laughs> Give us some time, man. Yeah. Unfortunately, so, Mike won't be here that time. <laughs> yeah, I'll be too busy working. <laughs> how about uh, how about sketchy uh, Shichi there? Let's get it. Let's get something from him. <laughs> What was the question? Yeah, so how, how did you how did you get into the business? For me, it was actually Star Wars in the Cantina sequence, and I started doing super rate stop motion, and then I saw American Werewolf because I was very sculpting and I didn't know what to do with it, so I realized that I could turn that into makeup. So for me, it was all American Werewolf, and then I just went out there. I, there weren't any schools when I was a kid. Uh, so for that, just getting my name out there and working in every shop I could. Yeah. So I worked at a couple of low-budget shops in Jersey, uh, at a show called Monsters, uh, a movie called Street Trash, right at a high school. I'm a big fan uh, of Street Trash. That's true. Yeah, that was my first film ever. Oh, nice. Playing y'all. Yeah, yeah. But when you say like, so there isn't a school. How do you even find those shops to work to work to work for? Like, how how do you uh, even go about finding? Small kid, I used to actually call it Dick Smith as a kid. Uh, oh, wow. I found his number in the phone book, and I got on the phone with the guy, and he stayed on the phone with me for two hours, and I never forgot at 12 years old going, Dick, I got to go, my mom's calling me for dinner. Uh, but he actually told me all the place then I called the Savini, I got on the phone with him, and I, uh, they told me the places to go to. 
I ended up finding a, a young man who wanted to put me into adult film. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I put my name out there and I made every call I could and somebody one day said, let's give you a try. And I worked for five bucks a day and transportation and it was worth every minute. Yes, he yeah. was. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's let's get to Keith. That'll be the last of the new people okay. that I've never talked to you before. So, Keith, uh, how about your? Uh, how about your? How you how, good. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I got started pretty much the same way you guys all did. All interested in the monsters, the uh, original uh, Universal monsters and whatnot. But I started a little bit later. I uh, didn't get into this business until I was about thirty years old. I decided I was having a really bad day doing the job I was doing. Started looking through my. What were you doing? I was doing tile work. Okay. Funny story. Keith is actually seventy-three years old. That's right, seventy-three, going on forty. That's it. <laughs> so I started looking through my magazines that I was hoarding. Absolutely, and they all had makeup schools in them. And that. Hey, hustler, airbrushes that are vagina. Absolutely. Hey, he's got heart. Hey, I got the heart. I got the heart. So, I uh, ended up going to school, getting away from family for about a year, and that, that was fun. And then uh, just uh, banging on doors after that, actually going down to the city with uh, with calling cards and uh, sticking them on taxi cabs outside of NBC, wherever I would go. Brothels. Yeah, brothels, anywhere. <laughs> Finally got to start on uh, All My Children, and... Mm-hmm. Uh, Daytime. Daytime. Got in the daytime. I didn't know that either. Yep. Got in the daytime, and they said, how come you're not in the union? I said, because they're not letting me in. I said, fill out your paperwork, get it down there. Gave me names of people. Daytime TV's are having a little bit lost Yeah. Hey, with all my children, one life to live, whatever paid the bills at the time. Like how do people rem- remember outcome? Remember the old outcome? There's a story in New York City called outcome. The one here, uh, and they're, they're like the number, but that's basically the primary makeup uh, supply store here in New York. But, and what they used to, and what they had in their Long Island city location, the, the wall, the bulletin board, that oh, had yeah. all, all the, yeah, they had yeah. all the cards on the bulletin board. They used to yeah. have that much anymore. But there was a makeup, like I said, the makeup store in New York with alcohol. And it was like probably in the 80s, mid 80s is when they would actually have, they allow makeup artists and people that are in production that literally would put their business cards up along the outside of the window, which, yep. which was a warehouse. And a lot of us, I think, we connected. That's how I met you. We got a break to start coming up. Oh, there's no California. And it was that sort of, you know, it wasn't like we had the ability to sort of call people off unless we found each other out or something like this. And that's how we did it. And a lot of it was who had the Gary Bird dog photo? Do you remember that? You would know that. Do you remember there was radar Right? And there was a picture of him with his throat cut on the alcove wall. I'm sorry, that popped in my head. Brian Holt. Brian Holt. Brian Holt. Uh, I worked. That's I worked. I was made in the alcove. Sorry, Frank. It's okay. All right. So uh, go ahead, Neil. I'm sorry. That's all right. No, it's good. So uh, for Craig, is it is it uh, is it usual for, since all you guys are friends? You got a lot of people here. Is that usual yeah. for people who work in makeup to uh, to be friendly with each other, or is 
to each other. Is that unusual? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of, Josh is not here. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, Second time I've done this with you that he's bailed well, up. Well, well, I'll look at it this. The people around this table, when we talked about it last time, there was that time when we first start with there's a little bit of that kind of like, I'm starting out new. I might be a little bit more hungry. I might be a little more aggressive. I might do things that maybe I might regret at certain times. But the people that are around this table, like, we're, we're at a point where we don't worry about that shit. That's the reason together. why yeah. Yeah. we're all there around the table. Yeah. Uh, talking and having fun. Because we're all boxhole friends. Yeah, because we're all boxhole friends. You know, if people understand that terminology, we're boxhole friends. It's a different unlike what it was when we first started, because everyone's hungry for their job. And it's like the survival of the fittest. But as people start to grow and they get to know each other, you start to realize that everyone just sort of is, you know, we all have the likes, we all have the same interests, we all kind of came up the same, same path, you know, so a lot of us find that between, in our own experience. Hold on. Sorry, So, um, Neil, how's that? You want me to pass the mark to somebody else? Yeah, that's great. So, let's go with the, we haven't talked to Jeremy yet. How about, uh, since why? you guys are all in, Jeremy, since you guys all are in New York, is there a difference between uh, the film industry in New York and TV and stuff as opposed to LA or Atlanta or other places? Well, in fairness, I'm from New Jersey. So, you know, all right. I, different point of view. <laughs> I, I think it's pretty different. New York is a much tighter. I mean, I can't speak for Atlanta um, just because it's still so very new. But um, LA, you know, where all this was born. Much bigger, bigger industry here in New York. It's a lot tighter knit. I don't think whether or not we all like each other or not, we all know each other. Uh, every single one of us is familiar. There's not a guy out here working that we're not familiar with, um, or girls, or worked with at least once. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We cross paths with on set all the time. Um, it's just, it's too small. Even as busy and, and big as New York is, there just aren't that many of us. So you know, you, you have to you have to stay on on at least. Speaking terms with everyone, and we all do it all. That's the difference. Yeah, yeah. you have yeah. to out with twenty guys who have just hired sculptors, twenty painters. All of us at this table have worked for each other, yeah. have worked for ourselves, and have done every aspect of the industry. Jack of all trades, Jack of all trades. Yeah, let's be into it. <laughs> so we're, we're like the mom and pop, where LA is like the, the Walgreens and the corporations. We're like uh-huh. the mom and pop sort. Wait, 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 how much? Well, before uh, some of my fellow constituents put their foot in their mouth. <laughs> 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 okay, LA. Wait, he worked on the coast. You worked on the coast. It's the thing is now because the industry has gotten a lot more tenured. It's an industry and it is a, a craft that is no longer new. No one talked about Vinny Bob's cooking. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, I always had the most respect for English, but, you know, Great Britain, artists that came out of there because, you know, they've been making great films and effects for years. Hammer films are the best. Yeah, well, yeah, that's true. But, uh, but as far as like now, because, uh, because techniques and the technology and what we do is now, it's not the 80s. It's not like, oh my God, this thing called special makeup effect. <laughs> now it's like, 
while the materials are available. Uh, and so it was all on your level of interest, what your abilities are, and who is willing to go out there. So there's people coming from everywhere, yeah. all over the world. So we got to watch our asses. But the <laughs> thing, no, we do. Mm-hmm. We laugh and smile at little weird fucking <laughs> ass. Yeah. yeah, well, that wasn't very convincing, but you know what I'm talking about, man. We got to look out for us. Right, the one thing about New Yorkers is, we, when I say New Yorkers, I mean Jersey. East Coast. East Coast. Connecticut. No, not East Coast. I mean Northeast. <laughs> I'm Kentucky, Philadelphia. I need Connecticut. Hey, man, I'm from Philadelphia. I call Pennsylvania. I was born in Philadelphia. Sorry, y'all, I'm getting off. But the thing is about the the area here, we're all, you know, we're all in it. We're all in it together. 100%. And we hate everybody. Actually, we hate those that want to come into our pond and piss it. Yeah. So we got to look out for each other. Agree with that. Yeah. So, but LA is getting not as much work as it used to get. There's a lot of work going to uh, Atlanta. Atlanta. A lot of work going to South Africa. Yeah. A lot of work going to Canada. A lot of work going to Tokyo. Really? A lot. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of work going to New Zealand. Yeah. So we have to start thinking as, like I said, fossil firms. Yep. And we all give each other the three. by corporation. If there's 5,000 in LA working, even if it's a small industry, 4,000 aren't. There's such a small amount of us here. We're all working. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But we look out for each other. For each other. We bitch about each other behind each other's back. <laughs> that That's I put a bitch for that job. Why did he get it? You know, he's got to raise his rates. I don't know what the fuck's going on. We all got to make make like we get the same rates. But you never had Sam and Rick Baker, all these guys hanging out, having drinks, talking in a podcast. That's true. We all know each other well enough. We can go, let's hang out and do this. And we all have cute asses. That's also (laughs) true. I like Harvey's make a face like I really got to work on my (laughs) business. It's basically a more functional version of group therapy. <laughs> uh, we haven't, we haven't, we haven't got anything from Anthony yet. So, uh, Anthony, do you have anything to add to, uh, about New York or, or uh, other areas? London after midnight. Whoa, Twilight. London after Twilight. Go ahead, Anthony. Hi, Neil. Hey. Oh yeah. Hey Anthony, how's it going? So did you have anything to add? Did you have anything to add about New York? And since actually someone did bring up London after midnight, uh is that that's like a holy grail for horror movie uh, fans. Is that also something that uh makeup artists would uh would like to someone to discover a uh, a copy of? Oh man! <laughs> <laughs> I, turned, I feel like I got the hardest question. What is Glenn Hecker thing? Please, I'm sorry. Um. <clears throat> okay, so. I'm ready to get. I'm ready to get. Okay. Anthony passes. Is that an option? <laughs> sure. Yeah, you can pass. That's fine. All right. So, but adding on to. Uh, Man, I'm fucking lost already. All right. <laughs> All right, Neil, I'm sorry. I'm not the best. <laughs> okay. Uh, 
come back to him. Do you want to call a friend? Uh, you would like to talk to You're going to use one of the lifelines. I'm going to use the lifelines. You know, I'm going to say something. Craig stepping in. All right, yep. I'm going to talk like, until I get to the point. Um, what else is there? Uh, so actually, <laughs> wow, he's barely here and he says something to me. Wow. Okay, so Neil, what? next question. And so... Did you have anything about the London After Midnight uh, since that was brought up? And oh, it, yeah. Can I tell a story? No. Oh, wait. No. <laughs> okay. Well, it's, it's like one of those, you know, it's, you know, we have the image of the makeup. We have, you know, everyone, you can easily see the image of the makeup anywhere of the London After Midnight look. Um, obviously, the movie, the piece of the movie are lost. I know they've tried to sort of reconstruct it a little bit. Um, you know, we talked about the last time about who we as makeup artists kind of, you know, kept close to the breath. Dick Smith was one of the makeup artists that we keep very close. You know, that we keep close to the heart. Um, you know, we talked about Lon Chaney. Uh, Tom, Tom, Tom Holland was another guy around. No, no, there was another makeup artist around the time. He also wrote a book. Wasn't his last name Holland? Tom Holland? Who are man? That's oh, right. oh, oh, the new going on with going nowhere. Okay. So uh makeup and monsters. Because there was another guy that came out with another makeup book around the same time that as Richard Corson came out with which was late time. Do you remember when Lee Bacon No, no, that Lee Bacon was like in the sixties. There's another guy behind it. That's the people that would. I know. No one knows what I'm talking about. I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. Well, I guess you know you're all right. And I think that's a sad part, isn't it? Isn't that a sad part? I mean, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. People will know. No, it's not that. It's like we're going back to what Zinni said about people who will know the history of makeup and take the person, those people, and kind of keep them close in admiration. Okay. When we talk about Dick Smith a lot, it's because of his, his, uh, in, you know, the fact that groundbreaking two-hour work. You know, for a guy, for a guy yeah. that you know, a twelve-year-old boy, just talking to him for uh, for two hours, and all of us all have history. No, um, wait, we get to No, I'm driving the fact that. You know, that people who are interested in makeup effects may not necessarily be interested in the history of makeup effects. They should they be. They should. Well, when we talk about Lon Chaney, and we talk about, well, be a lot well just fucking YouTube. You know, it's, 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 well, I mean, I don't want to diverge wow. and move into a certain direction of the, of the two ways, but the, the fact that I think all of us here could talk about certain makeup artists. Um, and, and hold them in good hands and, 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 and warm them as opposed to someone saying, who, who is that? And I think that's, that's a, I think that's a, excuse me, a big connection between all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Because we had as an admiration for certain makeup artists, uh, and you talk about American Whale from London, and that was one of the movies that also turned me into like, well, maybe makeup might be uh, a thing. It's a viable You know, as a viable way to, you know, get into it. But we all learn from the bottom. 
We right. all learn the basics of makeup. Right. Everything from the bottom. That's what Craig is saying. Right. Exactly. exactly. And you're right. A lot of the kids today are starting way up here before they're starting down at the bottom. Yeah. They don't know. Everything is internet. Everything right. is a carbon copy of a carbon copy. Yeah. We went back out with the original through noses. Yeah. We saw the original. We And we followed the history of the business from the silent era. So... I don't know. I'm, I'm lost. You're I don't remember what the question was. I'm trying to lost. <laughs> <laughs> you weren't the blind following the blind. There you go. Correct. All right. All right. Okay. Go ahead. Start us anew, Neil. All right. Well, e- Eli, <laughs> like, we'll, we'll go back to Eli here. And uh, I would like to know since uh, over the last few years, like streaming sites have really taken off Amazon, Hulu, Shutter, and all these things. How has that affected all of you as. Uh, as makeup artists, sculptors, or you know anything in, in the industry, because it would seem like there'd be there's more content out there, but does it also affect the pay? Since uh, some of these are streaming sites and they might not have the budget. Amazon's got deep pockets. <laughs> well, uh, even though I'm probably the one with the least experience to answer this, uh, the best. Um, I can tell you is that uh, when you're dealing with something with uh, great demand, you're given like a limited amount of time and a limited amount of resources. So you kind of have to find a way to put your best foot forward uh, with, uh, uh, you know, with what you got rather than with what you prefer. So it does, it is a challenge, but on the other hand, like, you know, it, it doesn't destroy us, So it only makes us stronger. Perfect. Doing what you can with what you got. I will yeah, say, I go. Amazon is the most generous network I've ever worked for. Yeah. I, I like to. I, don't they greenlight everything? No, that's Netflix. I, Netflix. Oh, I'm oh, sorry. <laughs> no, I definitely think that um, with the advent of streaming media, there's been more work than ever before yeah. for a lot of us. Netflix and, is opening. In, sorry, I don't know. No, Netflix is opening a thing. new production hub in New York. Yeah, I mean, to promote those guys. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. As long as they're paying a major contract rate, there's yeah. there's there are there agents. Right. But I feel I feel that the like the issue with any sort of industry when there's an abundance of possibilities, the resources become limited extremely fast. <laughs> and in a place like New York City, um, even though there are a lot of us, like as opposed to other towns or other cities in America, I feel that this. It kind of stretches a lot of us thin where the quality tends to degrade. You know, when you have 20 shows from Netflix shooting in New York or 30 shows from Google, and on top of that, the network shows, the Broadway shows, and all the other things that are happening in New York, it's like you end up getting Yeah, but we do it. But that's legit true of all departments. I mean, everywhere I'm working with these 
with ADs that have never AD'd before, and, you know, because they didn't spend two years as a PA. They spent every week as a PA. Exactly. And so they work exactly. And they don't have the experience at the shorthand of production. All they did so was they don't have the experience. Production. I mean, even oh, producers, you get like no, no scheduling. Right, and we have to train them. Yeah, we have to train them in what we do. Yeah. I mean, they have no I idea what we do. Point of almost having to tell producers like you don't know what the hell you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah. I think mean, that's we're seasoned. I've been working with a line producer lately who's like, nice. he's just super nice guy. He's like, look, I'm coming to you for this shit just because I've never done it before. I haven't been doing this long enough. So like, if you don't mind, can I just ask you questions even on jobs you're not working on? Like, yeah, all right, because it makes a better position for all of us, but 20 years ago, we would have been at each other's throat. Yep. Yeah. Well, we were all hungry for 20 years. Yeah. We well, were well, to hire certain people. Well, I didn't know you jobs. <laughs> you, know, you know, it's interesting. I think that a lot of us could say, except for those that might be department heads or, you know, department heads or, but yeah, but, but it's okay. But the, the thing, oh, yeah. the thing is right. that a lot of us are, are, are working on multiple shows. Yeah. That's, you know, going back to what Tom was saying, that there's so, and everyone else was saying it, that there's so much sort of, there's a plethora of work going on, that a lot of us can't really say that we're, we're doing one show exclusively because of what we're doing. You know, you're on, Mike's on Law and Order SVU, uh, Petley's on whatever that show is you're doing. I'm on Blind List, Blind Fox. A lot of us here are doing multiple shows because and it's so busy in New York and not good that it is as busy as it is. Uh, but, yeah, you know, the patent center was 20 So a lot of us are doing multiple shows, even though we may do one show more uh, exclusively than another, but we are having to go out to other areas. Like I, I, I was just saying, I just did power last week. Chris, that's really your show. Yeah, right. we'll, 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 go, yeah. we'll go, oh, I'll do a day over there. Fine. We, you know, we do a bunch of shows that we run in a way, but we'll all do business pieces on those shows. But because we trust each other. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it's, it's, not, it's not trust. The idea of that tendency is that you have a strong suit. You have a strong suit. We all have strong suits. And those of us who are relying on other people, meaning department heads, department heads, I don't have the ability to do certain things. So I'll call a Jeremy or I'll call a Vinny or I'll call a, Jeremy. a Keith. Or I'll call the Craig and say, hey, I need this. Craig. Craig. You're the Craig. Craig. Supply me with something that I can need. And there's other people within this table that we all rely on, even though we're all friends. Here, here. We're all around. And if you get a hump out of that guy, I get a hump out of that guy. Basically, what it comes down to is that everybody at this table, we're all friends, we're all co workers, and we all rely on each other to try to get the job done so we can excel at what we do, not only as professionals but as a colleague of people from the Northeast to show everybody else from the West Coast. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere else that yeah. we know what we're doing, so don't fuck with us. Okay, Vinny, say no. The West Coast for years 
had that reputation. Oh, you have that increased energy called the West Coast. Only in the last 10 years, maybe 20, but really in the last 10, we better prove ourselves that we're just as capable as they are. We never had that reputation. And I'm sure we find ourselves, we've all been in the situation of being hired by West Coast people, and they're going, oh, there actually are good people in here. We never were able to prove that before. We're kind of like a, 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 a new kid being born, where we're, we're finally showing, like, hey, look what we can really do. Even at 50 years old? Even at 50. <laughs> and then some. And then some. <laughs> okay. We're a bunch of old eagles. Let's suppose somebody really gives a shit about if anybody is listening to us. If there are young people listening to us right now, what would you, what kind of advice would any of us give them? Don't get into the system. Do not do this. <laughs> yeah. We may sound happy when we go buy ourselves to sleep. But <laughs> how many other jobs have we had? Uh, none. Well, a lot. I've been doing this. always done this? As far as waiter, waiter, as far as salon I mean, I, I work in retail and shit, but this was my first right. job. Right. That's my average job. Uh, but don't give up on your dreams. Uh, you know, I have to really never, but I got to want to do it. Yeah. And, and it's not going to come to you. Nope. But I think don't that, give up. I think that's the advice here. You don't, don't give up. up. It's no glamour. You love it. You follow through. Exactly. Here. Especially makeup effects, man. Makeup effects is getting sticky. It's getting dirty. It's meeting deadlines. It's sleeping in your own filth for three days. It's washing your ass and splashing when you don't want. But he does that regularly anyway. Yeah. Well, all joking aside, yeah. You have to. You gotta want to do it. You gotta have thick skin. You do have. Oh, thick, 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 thick. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not not well, you can't just wake up one day and decide, I'm going to do special effects makeup. Yet yeah, there are a lot of people that That's the internet generation. That is the internet generation. It's exactly like that. It's exactly like that. It's exactly like that. It's exactly like that. generation. And we talked about this time we were on. It's a computers where everybody wants everything right now. Yeah, and, and we've all been conditioned to it because we have to be because oh, if you don't answer yeah, your text in two seconds, well, that's you've lost the job. job. You lose the job. Yeah, yeah. You lose the job. It, it, the big house telling me about your resume how many Instagram followers well, you have. That's a very good point. That's a good point. That's a good point. That's who you know. That was not, not, not who, who you know. Who you blow. This industry is for all the ones that really don't have that stuff. As much as it is about talent, it's much about Fortitude. You you got to be able to work sixteen hour days. You got to be able to work in three weeks time for half the budget. And you can't say no because if you say no, they're going to go to the next guy and they're going to get the job regardless of the quality. Regardless of the quality, they're going to do it because everybody's trying to save a dollar. Everybody's trying to make it on a budget and on a time frame. And the thing is, the sad thing about today's world is that everybody watches their content on a phone, yeah. on an iPad. Yeah. Yeah, so the quality, quality doesn't, the quality can be lackluster. I mean, it doesn't have to be the where even, Who here watched, you know, the, 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 the last fucking Avengers or Star Wars trailer? Who actually watched it on a TV and not on their phone? I, 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 watch, it on, I watch it on TV. But it wasn't even on TV, though. I saw Infinity War on TV. What was? The new Star Wars. Star Wars. Oh, I'll always still come down. No, but I'm saying, but we don't watch that. creepy point. Very bad. Oh, the new trailer. Neo. Yes. Go ahead. 
Yes. <laughs> no, it's a good point though about because uh, that's a pet peeve of mine. I don't like to watch uh, things on my phone uh, unless, unless like a, a YouTube on. video of somebody I know or something. But a movie or something, you're not going to uh, you're not going to enjoy it on your phone. I but saw the new. I saw the new Godzilla trailer last week on i on an IMAX screen, and it was uh, it was awesome, you know, to see it on the great screen. Sure. I just saw it on the phone, imagining IMAX. Is that King of the Monsters? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. My new best friend. I, I even like I even like <laughs> Patrick the Topless Godzilla. I like the Godzilla with Matthew Broderick. It's such a ridiculous movie. It's such a joke. I think I wanted to I really clarify something. Is, when we talk about differences between East Coast and West Coast, I don't want anyone to think that we are disrespecting the people from the West Coast. Not at all. I want to make sure and I want to clarify that. That's right. You know, Ray, we might have a bar. This is makeup guy. Amazing makeup guy. And when you know, Keith and I worked on a movie called Lincoln, and we worked with a lot of West Coast makeup artists. And when you talk to them, you kind of go, well, they're just like people who want to work. And a lot of them are become our good friends. Yeah. yeah. I so I want to make sure that no one thinks that we're, we think we're better than they are because we do everything from the start to the finish, unlike it's departmentalized. No, I just want to say, I think that's what it is. I think that we are tired of being We could be considered to be the redheaded stepchild of the business because we're from New York. But the primary difference is that we we do good work. And I think a lot of the people who do work in the business, we're not talking about directors. We're not talking about producers. We're talking about fellow makeup artists. Mm-hmm. And this goes across the board. I have a feeling that 90% of the makeup artists in the West Coast would be around this table just as we are having a drink and talking the same thing that we are all, we all have that connection. We all love what we're doing. And that is the, the central thing to all our, our lives. And it doesn't matter. East coast, West coast, Prague, New Zealand, London, it doesn't matter. We all have that. <laughs> that we all, you know, if you talk to someone from another, even from another country, they say, what got you into makeup? They say, I like monsters. Yeah. How many of you can say the same thing? It's, it's universal. That, like I said, we could have people from all over the world around the table. Uh, I didn't make the connection, but that's kind of a nice little point going there. But... I think that's what I really want to say, that we're not disrespecting people from the West Coast. Um, I, I think a lot of us adore the, a lot of people from the West yeah, Coast. It's really because because they make the body and they love them. I don't mean I would have been here if it wasn't for the West Coast. The only right. thing that American werewolves, that did it for me. So I'll respect them to the end. The only thing New York had a couple, like, what, maybe 20 years ago was one iteration of Law and Order and Broadway. And then in the last, I mean, thankfully, in the time of my career, like New York just exploded, and uh, you know it, you can't even call it Hollywood East anymore because it's its own, it's its own entity. Well, New York, yeah, it's, it's New York. Well, Hollywood East is more like uh, yeah, Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta. Yeah, 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 Atlanta. Um, we don't even connect to Hollywood. Any films start here in New York? Yeah. yeah. Well, Edison, Edison, West Orange. Edison was a dick. If he was, was an ass. West Orange, New Jersey, the Black Road, we'll say that for a lot. Tesla, you stole shit from fucking Tesla. 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 T
No, it's fine. We'll, we'll go with Michael for this one because, well, so Craig keeps, and a lot of people brought up a love of monsters. So let's say you get in because you love monsters, you like uh, science fiction, you like, uh, you know, creatures, all this stuff. Uh, obviously, there's not going to be just doing that. So when you start to work on a show where it's more traditional makeup, um, do you do you then fall in love with that too? Because uh, it's completely it different than making a monster. Yeah. Well, you know what happened? I I grew up in the effects world with monsters and creatures and such, and then it became a very dry spell for me. And I had to learn the beauty end of things just to stay busy in the industry because I wanted to stay within the circle of people that were working. So I had to get the jobs where they were just literally blush and lipstick. Well, and we should get some history on Mike. Mike's been working on Law and Order since 1973. Next year will be my ninth year on Law and Order. So it, it's been a combination of beauty makeup and effects makeup. And when I say effects makeup, it still has to be within the realm of uh, television ratings and what they will allow on television just because it's it's a standard PG type realm which where it's a little bit of blood, it's a bruising, it's a Y incision, it might be a dead body. But the thing is there's just enough for me to stay to stay current with it as much as I'm doing blush and lipstick and beauty makeup and running a department. I'm doing still the dead the dead bodies and the tattoos and the makeup for it all. it's and Jeremy needs the Google. I do make the Google, damn it. Happy Passover. Oh, wow. Within, within yeah. that world oh, okay. of law and order, it's opened yeah. the doors with to so many other people because I've had to call on them or they've called on me for other things. And that's what, what made us come together tonight and we're all sitting here having a good time and and sharing each other's experiences and within the last decade we've all crossed each other's paths in some form or fashion let it be just in the world of blood and guts or let it be in the world of character blush and mystic or character i mean it's all makeup it's all makeup and we're all just doing the best we can to create the the characters that we have been provided with within the budget and the time frame and in and obviously, the evidence shows in every job and every show, or every movie that we work in. So it's, it's a uh, it's a different avenue, but it's all rewarding. Yeah. Uh, since Anthony passed on the last one, do you do you have anything to add to that when you're working in uh, in non genre uh, makeup? Non genre with non genre makeup. Can you repeat the question? I'm sorry. Oh, if you, if you had said it, so. Instead of like making monsters or creatures, that kind of thing, when you're doing more of like a realistic makeup on it on a regular TV show or movie, because uh, I assume that's not what you got in originally, do because you love the monsters and stuff. So, uh, do you find the appreciation for that and the love for doing that as well? But what's the difference? Um, I do. I keep Peppy's I, another. I, sorry to interrupt. Keep Peppy's another good one for that because he's department headed. A uh, TV show for like the last five years. Right. Um, Blacklist on NBC, nine o'clock. So who's sure to see the one? Uh, uh, yeah. Okay, everybody, fuck that show. Great job, man. Elementary. Uh, okay, I have the heart. 
So yeah, I feel that I'm doing a lot of the reality stuff, like wounds. Um, I'm pretty in the same boat that Mike Harvey's in, where we're both doing like you know a lot of bruises, cuts, wounds, burns, the occasional you know really graphic thing. But NBC doesn't really like to show a lot of graphic stuff. No, but the wound was But um, I've been fortunate enough with Blacklist that they actually allowed me to do some really grotesque things within reason. Like we just did one where. A head burst open, needles like erupting from it. What's in the pictures? Um, it's very similar to like what we did, what uh, Tom Sweeney did in Creature. What's um, the guy's name? Eli Wallace. Eli Wallace. Mm -hmm. No. Eli Wallace. I had the E in there. But I do appreciate um, that the industry is still alive. Like, having not done any serious monster work for a while, I come to Tom and Vinny's shop and I see, like, you know, some Jeremy's shop where they have monsters. People are still asking for monsters and things like that. So I'm glad that it still exists. It hasn't died out. They figured when silicone was coming in, the age of the foam rubber monster would be dead, but I think it's more prevalent now than ever. Um, yeah. But overall, yeah, I, I can't complain with what I have, but at the same time, once the show actually does end, who knows? That's right. Whatever. Um, you know, I like to go back to like doing monsters and things like that or working in conjunction with more of the harder makeup effects. I guess, like, would you call like makeup, makeup effects light? <laughs> diet makeup, diet <laughs> low calorie, low calorie, low calorie fat. Back to the heart. Right in front of you. Good. First of all, low calorie effects. I call it low, uh, low film for the artist effect. Do we ever have to do what we have to do here? I have to do this. Wait, wait, wait. How often do we? Not often. Very much. Yeah. Yeah. But it happens. But, but I'm gonna just if it didn't happen, we wouldn't be here. Tom and I both worked on the smirch. Tom worked on the smirch. Why do you gotta bring up shit I didn't get credit for? Tom, every job you've ever done, he was snapped on screen. Just for the record, Neil, before I'm gonna get to you, I am known amongst my peers as Tom, no credit to me. So many things that uh, are just high profile. Yeah. That I have A-list.
Or paying your bills. Yeah, yeah. Paying bills. But, the best yeah. advice I ever got in regards to beauty makeup, because I, I was hired. That's Jeremy Coffin. Yeah, that's Jeremy Coffin. The first full time gig I got there wasn't just effects where I was at a, a you know a key makeup artist. I was terrified of beauty makeup. I was told just to think of it as a different kind of character makeup. So and that worked. That that got through my brain. It was no terror anymore. It was just it was character makeup. The character just happened to be a beautiful lady. So you know, just a different way of thinking about the same skill set. Right. I'm gonna grab it for a second. Well, you know, I, but I think I'm, I think all of us started with uh-huh. love of monsters and creatures. But when I think when you do that, you sort of pigeonhole yourself as being a guy that does gore or something of that nature. And you got to pay the bills. And, and you got to pay the bills. And so many. Not that we were. I mean, I, I I never felt I was forced to do beauty makeup. I think a lot of us people here might say we were not forced to do straight makeup or beauty makeup. It's it's as we're doing a lot of the late makeup. It's, it's just another. I think we have to bring up. By the way, but I think we have to bring up Saturday Night Live because that involves all of the makeup. Sorry, okay. Okay. Uh, this is what I'm going to say, and then we can get into if you want to get into SNL or not. But Greg and I, I, I mean, I mean that, uh, I and mean, I feel that if you want to, I mean, I, I look at it like this way: if I want to call myself a makeup artist, just a makeup artist, I have to say that I can do beauty makeup. And I remember the first interview we did that I said that I do decent beauty makeup, but I think a lot of people here, simply by the nature of being in it, Keith, right? Mm-hmm. That we did. Mike, same thing. You and you learn to do it better. Right. Because you can yep. constantly do it on a day in, day out basis. And you get better at it. And it opens up a whole other avenue for you. Because you just don't go creature, you go beauty now. And now when you can bounce back and forth, it makes you more, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Hireable. Hireable. In the industry. At the end of the day, it's all painting a face. Let it yep. be a blood effect or a bruise effect or a blush and beauty. It's painting a face. You know what I think of as is a great example of Howard Berger, great guy, one of the founders of Candy. Oh, he was in fucking Wishmaster last night. I saw him. There you go. Uh, uh, Mark, security guard, Howard. Yeah, that was Nicotero's directing. That was Nicotero's first directing. No shit. But Berger is now Mark Wahlberg's personal makeup artist. So there's a lot of jobs he does that are very light on effects, but he's doing Mark Wahlberg's expensive, you know, skincare regimen, his day-to-day makeup look. Howard is, is known for processing. But it's still, there's, there's there's money to be made and a career to be made. Just well, it's like Tom said, it's a requirement of our union. Yes, it's makeup. We have to right. all do makeup. makeup. Erection, sustained. Yeah. Once upon a time, it was just makeup. Here's, here's there was no secondary, you know, this wasn't specialty makeup. It was just part and parcel. Just part erection. Here's the cat. Like some like special effects is part of the union, but oh. not as required. And, you know, you don't have to be a prosthetic artist in the universe. Skin care is a big part. Skin yeah. care is a big part. <laughs> big part. But we're not estheticians. So no, right. that's true. Correct. Um, but the thing is, everybody I hire, I expect them to at least be able to do beauty The effects people, like whenever I have an effects on, I bring in someone for effects. I don't automatically assume that they're going to do beauty making for me. You know, I hire people like Mike said earlier to the best of their ability. I hire strong beauty artists. 
going to hire a strong effects artist. I'm not going to try and make them do one or the other. But we yeah. have a backup. You should have a backup. Yeah. It's, it's, always, it's always the same. Kind of, kind of, it's all highlighted yeah. shadows. It's just different colors. That's all it really is. You know? Well, well. Who wants to do one of the talk who wanted to say something about SNL? Who? Uh Dragon Pop. Uh, I mean and Tom and Craig. Yeah, I just brought it up meaning what Craig was saying, which was about knowing all forms of makeup. SNL actually gave us the chance, even though I think Craig, myself, Vinny, and Tom were <laughs> mainly bald casting character men, well, but again, we were kind of forced. And, yeah. Oh, and we were kind of forced yeah. to go, you have to do some beauty makeup. So it actually yeah. was, yeah. you have to know a little bit, and I think it was a good thing. I think it showed us, okay, this is just as difficult in the time frame as this, just because it's, it's out of our comfort zone. But it's still something we all need to know. Yeah, and I got and I got a drop compliment to Louis County. Uh, uh, Fair enough. Yeah. 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 You know. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, no. <laughs> That's my fucking buddy. We went to Anchor House in Pittsburgh on Dog. I grew up with the guy. Yeah, he came. I know. Right. All right. Okay, but anyway, I look at SNL as SNL is so amazing because if it wasn't for SNL, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be as good as I am. Well, you know what? No, I wouldn't be as without, good as I am. Without New York Saxon Center tomorrow, there would be Broadway and there would be SNL. That's yeah. all that would be left in New York. Right. So, and Law and Order. And Law and Order. I made my bones on Broadway, sister. <laughs> all right. Go ahead, Neil. Uh, well, uh, Tom, uh, since we're on SNL, I know we talked about it last time with Craig, but uh, how about the live aspect of Saturday Night Live? Uh, how is that to work with? Live aspect of that's enough? Uh, that it's live. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Neil. I have a problem with hearing and I have smart ass friends. So, yeah. That's all right. Okay. You don't have any Anyway, Neil and for all the listeners out there, SNL, the one thing about SNL, I'm still at SNL. And I'm only at SNL on the weekends. How long have you been there? I've been there for 17 seasons. That's a lot of people. Yeah, and I, I, I made a lot of bones there. And and I go back because I love, I love the camaraderie. I love seeing Craig. I love seeing really? Louie. And we got Jason Milani there and Amy Tagliamonte. And, and there's just a, you know, there's a slew of talented people there. Sure. Yeah, did I say slow? Yeah, I said the Anyway, it really, it, the one thing, it epitomizes East Coast tri-state area artists. No time, no budget, and we got to put out the best work we can. I always say commercial break ball cap. Yeah. <laughs> no other show has the best ball cap we ever did. Yeah. What was that four and a half minutes? Four and a half minutes. Which beat, that, didn't that beat the record? Wasn't the original record? The original record was six minutes. Uh-huh. I was part of the, both of those records. <laughs> I'm getting all the guys to figure right now. <laughs> uh, uh, six minutes when I think you were there for six minutes. Uh, maybe. Possibly. Okay. But no, we get a four minute number. Okay. okay. Yeah. But uh, if it wasn't for SNL and 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 really techniques and and time saving things and 
cheated. But there's a story. Okay, I'm gonna tell a story. Who was it that came back? Uh, Jason Sudeikis came back recently as a guest on the show, and he said he had a call time in the West Coast uh, two hours prior before he was gonna be in front of camera. And he asked, why do I have to be here two hours prior? And production said, well, you have to get a ball cap on. He goes, no, no. <laughs> no, no, that's what he said. He goes, I'll give you a half an hour because the team in SNL could do it. Watch out. I'll give it to you. And anybody that knows Rathcon knows that very well. Yeah, that's my age. So, so the amazing thing and there are fans in the industry who love SNL I mean Rick Baker's a huge SNL fan anybody uh, Adrian Moreau anybody that comes to New York they love SNL because the, the one thing that impresses them and which to this day still impresses me and I love it is the techniques that are you know that, that are conceived by Louis' department Rando to, it's a brilliant material. Brendan Gutter. Yeah, Brendan Gutter. Whatever. Gutter. <laughs> Amazing kid. Yeah. The, recognizing recognizing And that's one of the reasons people are like, oh, you still work at SNL? And I'm like, yes, I still work at SNL. But no one's going to say we're good. No, I got my own clients now with my own studio and everything, but I keep my Saturdays open. And I feel bad when I miss a Saturday night because you, you know don't what? Don't have the eighty-three dollars. Yeah, for pay is a part of it. It's all about yeah. the money. I have a speech. What's about me keeping up my ability yeah. to stay on top? Right. It's like boy and the sheep. Right. Yeah. So it, it's just impressive working there. I, 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 I feel proud being a member working there and giving me the ability to work there. No, I'm good. And some of these other guys have worked there. They can work there a day, two days, or whatever. And they water, experience is there water? Is there water? But I don't it's water. not. No, there's water. Is all right. Okay. Thank you. I want to ask uh, Keith, because uh, since he works on the tick, uh, what do you make of the rise of uh, in uh, film and TV and what's it like to uh, to build uh, to work on a suit for someone well working on a suit basically my job is his head I work neck up but it's a team of people who work on the whole suit uh, we've got literally we call ourselves the tick team six that put him together each and every day when we put him on. Give a shout out to Zach. Zach was yep, just on that. Yep, uh, Zach, our lens tech. Lens tech extraordinaire. Unbelievable guy. Drop, drop a lens and eye in seconds. Um, putting that together is just amazing. When he walks in the tra- when he walks in the room and it's just Peter, and uh, we start zipping him in, putting him up, putting his head on, putting the gears in, putting his face on, and see him turn into the tick. And then when that voice comes out of his mouth, it's like you watch part of you walk out there with him. Don't know what else there is to say about that. Just uh, <laughs> sorry about that, Neil. You just can't open a beer. That's all right. So, uh, what? Go, go on. Yeah, who's going to say something? 
No, no, no. Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. You go ahead. Listen to you. Was, it's your show. Yeah. We All right. That. Well, I was going to uh, last year, um, we talked about face off and that uh, some of the people were not. Uh, <laughs> And so I'd like to get some, some opinions on Face Off from uh, for, for, from our new people on this year. It's a TV show. Okay, we're going to hand that to Tom first. We're going to hand that to Tom. So your opinion on Face Off, Tom? Hold on. Keep it cool. I like the first one. Okay. You're asking, Neil, you're asking what do professionals think about Face Right. Jason Malati over at season SNL. Three. And he was season three, but he got booted or five. But who the hell? Yeah, who cares what But he got booted off early. Because they're not really looking for talent as far as an artist. They're looking for talent, character. Yes, they're looking for drama and people. They're not really looking for those that really have a genuine passion for it. But when I first saw Face Off, I was like, oh, wow, great. They're showcasing it. But then it cheapened our industry. And it gave people an unrealistic view of what we do. Of what we do. With time frame. With yeah, mind five. With, with ability. No, ability. This crew's coming in at night. Yep. That, Finishing that, their that show. their pieces. And and, and Josh and I have always said, Josh, Terry, you couldn't be here. We always talk about... The, what if you want to see this show? Give the same three days, run the cameras, and show what we actually do when we get a seventy-two hour day. That's why it's called scripted reality. Yeah, we don't want this SNL threat because if they put a camera on SNL, but yeah, okay, that's what it would be. That's the reality. But that's all coffee and 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 constipation, all of and, 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 and a disaster. And fucking sleeping on the couch. Yeah. An hour on the clip, just getting enough sleep to keep keep going on. That's right. Yeah. You know that. Well, not, no, no, okay. no, that's no, 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 that's no, 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 because they had action figures and graphic novels. I'm sorry, back in the day, I got beat up because they were dogs and comic books. But I got my ass kicked so they could be called action figures and graphic novels. And I'm pretty sure half the guys in there would agree with that. I got beat up for my Star Wars stories. And that's because you're a youngster. It's good for inspiration. I got beat up for but it's a false inspiration. There's, it's not grounded in reality. Not at all. And especially when producers or people and young people that want to go into the production business or directing or making movies, they watch a show like that and they go, oh, that's all it takes. Oh, that must be cheap. Yeah, no money. No. No. You want to shit in three days, you're going to fucking pay for it. Yeah, well, 
they don't really pay for it as much. We pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. we all come from the foam latex in the oven, setting the timer, going to take a nap. And all, all, wow, that was a joke everywhere. Take a nap, getting up, pulling the foam, hoping it came out okay. Right. And if it didn't, you were rerunning it. And putting it back in, taking yep. another short nap, yep. and getting up and doing it all yep. over again. Okay. Right. Yep. I, I think well, that's why we come out. Okay. That's right. I think we need to clarify. Is that when we talked about uh, when we talked about baby talk? And, and, I, and I, I don't think anyone who is disrespecting the artist of uh, of baby anything of that nature. Did we lose? No. Neil, you still there? Yeah. Uh, I thought we lost I'm still here. Um, and once more, I, I, it kind of reminds you know, you had a previous interview where you talked about that people might have been sort of more or less disrespecting or saying something negative about Chase Hall. I am. And I, what I really want to kind of clarify, at least from my own point of view, is we talked about that when the artists that were on the show would leave at 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, you would know better than this, Anthony that there'd be a second crew that would come in and run all the pieces for them. So you didn't see, and, and Vinny, you were talking about the people at SNL, that would actually be in it from A to Z. Right. And I think that's where I think a lot of negativity might come from a lot of the people who are professional that, that would do A to you know, that would do the A to Z sort of work, is that they knew that they would, that the people on the show would do A to M, we'll say, and then, you know, N to whatever, S to Z, well, S, that, the, that they had other people coming in and running pieces for them overnight. So the people weren't sort of doing it all the time. And I think that's where if there's any negativity, it's, and they talk about that it doesn't realistically show it, is that those people on the show would go home, they would go to a hotel and they would sleep. And then another crew would come in and run all the pieces. So in the morning, the pieces will be running them. And if you kind of watch the show, you kind of see that. You see that, well, why would, I didn't see them running the pieces for them. I, I didn't see them running their own pieces. So I think if there's any negativity or any people not feeling, feeling the show, I think it really comes from that more than anything. Because everyone knows that there were people that came out of the show that were phenomenal. Yeah, you know, not Anthony. Yeah, whatever, not Anthony. No, but there were people that came out that were amazing and deserved everything they got, the, the accolades that they deserved. But uh, if there's any negativity, it's that little gap where it's not just saying, "Oh, you go, go run a ten-piece prosthetic," without the idea of the makeup artist who's doing the prosthetic now has to stay up, run all, and then run all the pieces. And then come in the morning to we put them on. We have to sleep. As opposed and to then giving them off to somebody else. They made it glamorous. Once again, what we do is not glamorous. And those shows glamorize what we do. They're, they're editing out the suffering that we actually deal with. But yeah. Okay. But, uh, go ahead. We're, we're Mike, Mike, you got your No, we're still on. Can yeah. people call yeah. in and ask questions? <laughs> if I can no, say no, anything no, positive no. about the face-off experience, Mm-hmm. is that inspired the younger generation to see okay. what it actually means to be a makeup artist. And also go egos. It's not, well, it's the idea of giving an example of what it really takes to be a makeup artist. And anybody who's willing to go to the next level, they're going to research and actually make the prosthetics, do the, the molds, make the people, and, and be an actual 
participant in the industry is, is that the, the show is entertaining. And be able to take criticism. It's also informative to anybody coming up that at this table didn't grow up with any of that knowledge is that it, it gave a glimpse of what it really took to be an effects artist in this industry. But it didn't explain everything. It was a teaser. That it, yes, exactly. It was a teaser of what it meant to be a working professional in this industry, but it, at least it inspired younger generations to really look and research into what it yeah. took to be somebody in this industry. And then, yes, okay, there's people that grew up in it, and yes, there's people that cut their teeth on it, and I respect that, but it, it, as a professional industry member, they say, yeah, it, it lacks some of the main components of what it really took to go from beginning to end, but it at least inspired a next generation of individuals that I know that, you know, I'm working with Anthony all the time. I, you know, I know there's other industry professionals that are now working full time that have come from the show, but it's, it's, it's not really something that is a professional industry that we all look into and go, wow, that's really, that's really lacking. Listen to this man, so next year. I'm sorry. And then it, if they're willing to look into it, they're going to research what it really takes. Well, you would hope so. You would hope so. I think what you're saying, Mike, is you said something about being somebody. Was it more important for them as an artist, or celebrity, or is it? Yeah. Is well, that's it all about them being. If you want, if you want your fifteen minutes of fame, go right ahead. No, you want I don't think you can seek out fifteen minutes. No, of fame. not at all. I think if you get fifteen minutes, it just happens. Well, yeah. that's the very thing. But if you're going to go on that show, you have to realize that it's more of a dramatic, you know, dramatization of what it really means versus. Being a working professional, which how, many, how many people in the what eight or nine seasons they did went on with a professional career as opposed to doing appearances and teaching? And how many people that didn't deserve present company excluded? Anthony made his career. No. Can you count them? I was on that Anthony, Jason Milani, Connor. Connor was the first career. So it was what five? Okay. okay. But, but there's a lot of people that are just, they're convention people. But there's people that have come from that show that get jobs. Of course they do. Because of producers see oh, them. Yeah. Oh, they were on TV. They, they yeah. have to know what they're doing. <laughs> uh, they're going back to the Instagram file. Yeah, it's the same. Yeah. There's more That's Instagram fine. followers than yeah. is a viable audience because they have a large following. It doesn't mean they, they have capabilities. Product placement. Right. We don't go, oh, I'm working on this show with this actor, but I have a career. I've been doing this. And they go, well, how many, many followers do you have? The fact that Tom Ford's department name liaison uh, now is an Instagram person. I'm going to ask Neil a question. All right. Backwards. How, Neil, how, uh, how much do you know about special effects makeup and the industry? Uh, I mean, just from doing the show, I grew up like a fan of uh, Tom Savini and stuff, but uh, I don't know a lot of, uh, of like inside knowledge. Okay, but as a host to a podcast and, and being a fan of this industry, 
you can pretty much distinguish bullshit from reality. Right, right. I mean, half the answers we've given from the real ones. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I also do a... I also do a professional wrestling podcast and it's a similar thing to people who talk about uh, wrestlers who get into pro wrestling to be famous or, or spin it off. To, well, I mean, they talk openly about it. No one, but the uh, or to spin off to become an actor, think they're going to be rock whatever, as opposed to people who get in it because they love professional wrestling and grew up watching it. Well, well, that's, that's a similar to some people, right? You know, so it, it, it's it's legitimate to to fans. You know, uh, regardless of, you know, what you're into. So, you know, about professional wrestling, I understand that there's a passion and people love it. Right. So, um, from what you've heard from us tonight and what you know, and I'm sure you did your research upon before you put any of us on the air or whatever it's called. Yeah. 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 Uh-huh. Um, so, you make sure there's legitimacy. Right. Yeah, I actually just, yeah, well, I just actually just interviewed someone who was on Face Off, uh, not because he was on Face Off, but I had brought up about uh, if there was any negativity to being on Face Off. And he did say that there's people that do uh, look down on you because you were on Face Off. But he had a little different view. He said it was um, it was just a way of getting into the industry. That a lot of people might have taken, you know, if, they were, if it was failed to them when they when when they first broke in. Well, you know what I got to give I got to give a little bit of kudos to the person that 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 realized who who you were interviewing, uh, the face of uh, realizing that the people that have animosity in an industry, if they're from face off, that uh, there were those. Jeremy, just you want to say something? No, I love you. Yeah, well, that's yet to be seen from me to you. <laughs> anyway, I got to give Tate kudos for saying that. Yeah, it was all good. It was uh, Tate Stein. Uh, Tate's a good guy. Stein's sick. He's, he's yeah, really cool. yeah, he just did. Uh, we talked to. I am on because he was uh, designed the puppets and the new puppet master, a little right, but. Uh, yeah, yeah. Is, we all, I think we all like and respect people that do it. I think it really boils down to people that we kind of dictate who is phony. We, and we, we know who are phonies. We, and, and, and we don't like for a really long because time. We bust, you know, we, <laughs> we bust our balls doing this. I mean, we really uh-huh. do. But it really I mean, there's no one in here that it kind of says that the that we are waking up at three o'clock in the morning. But there this. is success and respect, and there is fame. There's a, there's a Ricky Gervais line I love where he said someone interviewed him and they said, "How do you become famous?" He goes, "Well, if you really want to be famous, kill a prostitute." Like, yeah, you can be famous that way, but you're not going to have the respect for what you do. What we do, we're trying to. We don't care about the fame. If, if there is fame, whatever it is. It's a byproduct of what we do. We care about what we do, and we try to make a good career and have a good reputation. It's being recognized I think the more recent group that's getting into it, they're doing it only for fame. Look at me. And it's not about I'm successful at my job. Mm-hmm. It might be a fun job, but it's still a job. Yeah, it is definitely still a job. There is no glamour in what we did. If we really told people in a, in a career night, 
what we really do, 99% of those people would walk out of the freaking room. I was up at 3 a.m. the other day, running a fucking nine-month pregnancy belly, crying to myself because my cell phone wasn't curing. I had to be on set at 8 a.m. Hooray for a holiday! It was a goddamn morning. So let it be written, so let it be back. <laughs> and uh, to all of our Passover friends out there. Well, since that's come up a few times, what is Empire Effects? Well, I have a question. I have a question for Craig. Was there a significance yeah. to setting this show up tonight on 420? Was there a significance to setting this show up on 420? Oh, no, it's because we're all getting together. Well, all right. Right. What was there a significance okay. that you got together uh, on 420? Okay. I'll, I'll be I'll be really honest. The reason why Passover because I'll be honest with you. These are my friends. These uh -huh. are my colleagues. I cannot always offer them work because of, I'm not at a department head. I'm not even. But what I do is I I want to give something to my friends. I consider you Neil a friend of mine. We like you and. It's, it's about me saying to my friends that look, I can't get you, I can't get you the the, the house in Bel Air, but this is the mess. Well, I, I guess the point is, I'm, I'm, in my sphere of influence, there's certain things that I can do for my friends, and whether it's having people come and help me out at. The International Makeup Artist Trade Show bringing stuff in so they can see something. But I did it. We did it. But I, 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 it's, it's me saying to my friends, including you and the people around this table, that I can have them talk and to inspire maybe no, the next generation. No. That's exactly what it is. Inspire is a By the way, Neil. Neil, as one former fatty to another, congratulations on your significant weight loss. I'm right there. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Getting very close to 100 pound weight loss, which I'm very, uh, very proud of. Just like 100 pounds on Sunday. Congrats to you as well. I've been watching yours. And about half of us are celebrating 420 on 420. I don't think it happen to be that. Well, you know, like I said, we were getting. Getting together, it's, it's, you know, when we talk about, you know, Dick Smith before about being open and telling people what's going on and the new things like this, I consider that it's our responsibility to, to honor the next generation. It's all about openness and telling people, and if they get some sort of inspiration about what we're talking about, that's what kind of what I do. It's to help my friends out. It's to help my friends no, out. It's to help I get you. Saying, hey, this has been our experiences. This is what we have. This is what we've done. And if someone finds some form of 
something out of it, whether it helps you, if it helps anyone around this table to get their voice on. If you want to go over the idea. Well, that's what it is. It's about helping people. But I think, like what we were saying earlier, half of the people who listen to this will go, this is great. I never want to do this for a living. But the ones who actually have a passion for it may go, this is still worth pursuing. So, despite the show's broken out, we're a good barometer for weeding out the ones who want it for fame. The ones who want it for fame should not be here. No. The ones who want it because they go, this is this is a worthwhile lifetime endeavor. I love it. I want to do it. They're the ones who are going to appreciate it. And, and you know what? Look, I'm 51. We have guys close to 60 here. <laughs> It may be something of a generational kind of thing because a lot of us came from the point when there wasn't uh, an opportunity beyond the internet or like that to, in order to create a following. We had to create a following by our own capability. And if there's any sort of animosity to those people that just seek it out because they go, they put a can near their eye and they say, look, look what I can do. And they have no experience, no history, no nothing, 
And if they were put to task, they would probably more likely fail miserably. But it's for those people who do do it that way, but show chops, I think none of us would push them away no. or, or, or no. say you guys know. And no. it's those we obviously know, and to be very, very clear on this, it's the people that are phony are the ones that we don't respect. It's those that are real are the ones that we don't. Okay, stop. All right, go ahead. I think we all we haven't we haven't gotten to Jeremy for a while. I, since uh, a lot of uh, a lot of stuff Jeremy's done is uh, prosthetic work. I don't think we talked about that last uh, time. Uh, for people who aren't like people probably know that term, but can you can you explain what prosthetic uh, what prosthetic work is? I can try. I'm a few minutes there, Neil. Prosthetic is. <laughs> prosthetic is when you add a, a rubber or foam latex or silicone or any material to the face to change the features. Right? Tom said it with the Um So you, you, you sculpt it, you mold it, you glue it on, you put it in front of the camera. That's just prosthetic. A prosthetic is a. Uh, is, uh, it involves an act. Yeah, that guy. <laughs> like, I, I always use American word out of London when Jack had his rubber caps and was talking to David, it was a prosthetic. There you At go. the end of the movie theater, it was an animatronic puppet. So when it had an accident involved, that's usually a prosthetic. Something glued onto a real person as opposed to a fully functional animatronic, animatronic head. It's an act prosthetic. Actor driven as right. prosthetic. Yeah. It's, it's a passive human being. What was that thing called? The, 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 the Wiggler. Hello, hello, friends. This is Shameless Filthy, speaking on behalf of my partner, Tom Goldblatt, Touchy Peely, Dildo, and Marrow Emporium from Passaic, New Jersey. Jeremy himself, Frank, can tell you about our uh, new uh, love missile uh, resource, but I couldn't even tell it from Miami Vice. Hit him up, Jeremy. <laughs> what is going on? I don't know. Neil, I think you have a good six minutes of stuff here to deal with. <laughs> Two hours. Holy God. All right. Well, it's more. No, I think we all classify ourselves as prosthetic artists. Yeah. 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 Well, well, a good way to wrap this up then, uh, since we're going two hours, is uh, find out what everyone's, uh, what everyone's working on, what's coming out next. So, uh, Eli, what are you working on? Uh, what can people look forward to? Well, I'm glad to tell you that I'm working on a few personal kits that, that I uh, will be releasing uh, in due time. It'll be uh, on my Instagram account. Um, uh, still working on, right now I'm currently working with Diamond as a uh, sculptor and uh, assisting entire effects with whatever sculpt, uh, with whatever uh, help I can offer them. Uh, yep. This is Keith now. Uh, Keith, oh, okay. I guess it's been, it's been passed to me. Yeah. Uh, right now, I'm just doing some day playing, bouncing around from here to there. Uh, hoping for uh, season three on the tick. Other than that, nice. that's about what I got going on. Uh, Mike? Oh, shit. 19th season of Lawrence. You know what? You can get blood from a stone, apparently, on season 21 of Lawrence. <laughs> I have been there. This will be nine years on Law and Order. Wow. Yes. The Golden Handcuff. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I was not here when the question was asked. Well, promote your shit. Tom and I are still doing SNL. 
Saturday. Saturday. I uh, work on a show called The Deuce, and I work on the show Power from time to time. Okay. Jeremy? is Jeremy. Um, I just finished up the final season, season seven of Elementary. Um, a couple pilots in the works, one called Evil, which will be fucking great if it gets picked up. Lots of monsters. And a movie called False Positive. Uh, this is Vinny. I got a movie coming out next year called The Woman in the Window by the director from uh, Darkest Hour. And I also have uh, a film, the Ed Gordon film, Muggles Brooklyn, which I did the effects for. And now to Tom. Hey, what's up? Uh, okay, so I'm going to be starting my second season on Ray Donovan. Uh, I did the effects last season. Good groovy stuff. So what's uh, good stuff? Uh, unfortunately, I can't do the effects this season because Liam uh, asked me to be his personal. Oh, right? oh. Uh, Hey, man. I just got done doing, working with Adrian. I'm Barry Gower pieces to uh, an actor, Simon. Oh, my God, it's about his last name. No. Uh, Rupert Murdoch. Well, he plays Rupert Murdoch. And I'm the new voice of the loudest voice, the Russell Crowe of Fox News. Thing. Roger Ailes. Well, he plays Roger. Yeah. The Roger Ailes show on that basically is a really cool game. Yeah. So, and, uh, and then I just finished up a few from Julia Stiles. Uh, three weeks building a pig, a baboon, and torso, animatronic hearts, and kidneys to be removed. So, business is good. And Anthony. Good. And Anthony. Um, Anthony, I am currently about to my sixth on the blacklist as department head, and this is my life now. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. Well, thanks. Thanks, everyone. I appreciate it. And uh, we'll do it again next year. It'll be the, uh, it'll be our annual. It's always a fucking great time, man. All right. Thank you, Neil, again. Thank you so much. Thanks, guys. Good night. Have a good night. Good night. You as well. Good night, Neil. Happy Bunny Day. Good night. Good night.